0: everybody and welcome to another episode of passing times really excited for today's guest she grew up playing for the gannon oscar wolves and drbc uh, she went on to play for fleming and trent university where she's an ocaa bronze medalist several time academic all-canadian several time first team all-star she's uh excuse me she is a former assistant coach at trent was the interim head coach and is now an associate head coach of the women's program please welcome to the show rebecca installed rebecca thanks for doing this
1: thanks so much for having me on i'm really excited
0: so I think people who know you and recognize your last name would say, yeah, that's a volleyball family. Cause obviously you and your siblings all played post-secondary. Uh, your sister went into officiating, your dad's an official, uh, you and your brother are both coaching at a post-secondary level. But uh, for those who may not know you as well, just take me from the start. Was it just only volleyball from the start and you guys are a volleyball family or were you playing other sports growing up?
1: So I was actually a soccer player for most of my childhood. Um, I don't know if that's the Dutch side of my, my family coming through and, Play, playing the game as as Europe might call it um but it really was my brother actually in high school he didn't make the soccer team or decided to not like play the, play the soccer team and joined the high school volleyball team and then the following year they were like oh hey there's this club team in Orno. you should like go down and try out so he and his buddy and my dad drove down and he ended up starting and with Dan Wolves first and I kind of grew up watching him play and it was one of those monkey see monkey do kind of situations and um I think compared to a lot of athletes these days I had quite a late start I didn't start playing club volleyball till grade 10 and um yeah so then I went through and played the rest of high school and as soon as I graduated my sister started playing club volleyball. So my dad basically had nine years straight of driving around Peterborough, and the kind of surrounding area to get us to practices two to three times a week for nine years straight.
0: Nice. Nice. And I think, uh, not a lot of people would recognize Gananoska Wolves maybe now, but that's where Dustin Reed and his brother Daryl played. I think even Steve Brinkman might've played a couple years there before going to Tech. So uh, I don't think your year was the last year. Maybe it was your sister Jess was there, but uh, just tell us about that club. Because like I said, I don't think people would know it currently, but it definitely was a top club in its day.
1: It was. And uh, like you said, Dustin, Daryl Reed uh, got their start there. We actually practiced in the high school that they went to. So you could go walk the hallways and see the little display case with with all of their uh, jerseys and stuff. And I think at least once or twice, Dustin actually came out and did just like a session with the the team. But yeah, it was it's a pretty historic club, and it makes me a bit sad that it's it did fizzle fizzle out. But it was I was very proud to play for them, especially having watched my brother play and seeing a lot of his teammates go on and play at university, and then. Be able to put that jersey on myself, and then eventually have my sister also play for the club. It was a pretty unique situation, and yeah, like just there's so much history with that with that club. And even hearing about girls that were going to the states, and this was 2005, so you didn't hear as many Canadians going down to the states to play. So it was cool hearing my coach talk about Stacy Gordon and her going down to the states and that's someone that we could aspire to be like and that kind of I think started my thought process of is this a sport that I can continue playing and yeah that's really when the the love of the sport began
0: yeah thank you for that because I mentioned a lot of the male athletes that came through but Stacey Gordon one of the best female indoor players we've ever had yeah definitely an alumni of the Bulls there uh so when you went to DRBC. Obviously, uh, Gerald and and Rita have run that club for a long time and they've put athletes into post-secondary. So was that part of it when you kind of transfer late? I imagine it was your 18U year when you played DRVC. Uh, Was there any talks of like uh, playing post-secondary? Are we kind of following your brother or did the club kind of help you contact coaches or know what to look for and in in taking that next step?
1: It was a little bit of both because um, my brother actually didn't end up playing post-secondary. When he went to Laurier, he actually ended up joining the coaching staff at Laurier. So um, got a lot of information and just heard a lot about, about the experiences that he got to to be a part of in terms of a post-secondary program. And I was pretty lucky where my club team was actually pretty small. I think there were only eight or nine of us. So we got a lot of one-on-one time with the coaching staff and to to really talk about what we were hoping to do and I played with some really great athletes, uh, like Emma Hunt went out to play at UNB, Tori went to go play at Brock, Lauren Sterling played at, um, Windsor and Brock as well. And so it was cool to like bounce ideas off of each other and like, see like, okay, did you send a highlight video or did you send just like a full game tape to people? Um, and I had already kind of Started to think that I wasn't ready to go right to university. I was looking at doing just a one-year program at, at um, Fleming College, which is right by my house. Um, and at the time, it was actually Keith Willis who was the coach who I had had previously as a my regional um, head coach. And so he had actually kind of contacted me, and we talked a little bit. Unfortunately, he ended up moving out west right before I came to to play at Fleming. But then. I was really lucky that Daryl Ratgeuse, who was the men's coach at Fleming, um, stepped up and said, I'll coach both teams so that we can at least keep the, the programs running. And yeah, so it was a very much a combination effort from both like club and my brother's kind of expertise in what he had gone through.
0: Nice. So you mentioned Fleming was a, a little bit of a volleyball decision, but also academically and you wanted to stay close to home when you started looking at universities, was Trent the draw again to kind of stay close to home or or what kind of drew you? Were you considering anybody else at that time? I know you're an associate head coach and maybe it's revisionist history, but uh, did you do any other visits or, or look at any other schools?
1: Yeah. So actually, despite growing up in Peterborough, Trent was never on my like top, the top five list. I, I, at that time I wanted to, to go away and I was, uh, really drawn to Laurier, I think, partially because my my brother was there, but really liked the campus, really liked the kinesiology program, really liked the the head coach. So I I had been out for a visit, I kind of did a little like mini practice with them, um, and it was like a chance meeting. So my dad happened to run into the Trent head coach who worked in the the same building downtown Peterborough, and he was like. Hey, what's Rebecca's plan? Does she have any ideas of what she wants to do next year? Because we had played Trent twice during the OSAA season, and my dad was like, "Well, we're like, she's waiting on Laurier, but she's like not quite sure." And he was like, "Well, I'd like love to have a conversation with her. Like, Trent's looking at getting kinesiology. Can we get her out for meetings, and then they had me out for a tour campus, had me meet with the athletic director, Bill Byrick, and." really went like the full full experience for me and I was like maybe I do want to go to Trent and it was one of the best decisions that I ever made it was like such a fantastic environment to be in and again hindsight's 2020 Laurie ended up folding their program I think a year or two years after I had already had already started at Trent so I potentially was going to have to move schools if I wanted to continue playing volleyball anyways. So I'm glad that I got to kind of play the full four years at at Trent.
0: For sure. Yeah. I totally forgot about the timeline there, but yeah, with Laurier folding up, uh, you would have had to transfer anyways or find a different opportunity. So uh, when you're at Trent, I'm curious, uh, your team was always super competitive, but Uh, sometimes the, the OCAA gets knocked a little bit, uh, based on strength of schedule. So you would have been in the East there and it usually on the women's side, I think in your time would have been Humber and then maybe Nipissing until they transferred to, uh, OUA a little bit earlier. So was that ever a conversation within the team about like you know what, let's just keep our eyes focused on the East, like we can go to pre-season uh, tournaments or maybe a holiday tournament? Or was it always like, oh, the, we got to practice hard today because we're going to play Humber? Like, is there a lot of Humber talk when you're in East school? Or was it mostly just talking about, you know, we got to still take care of business and we got to beat Durham and we got to beat Algonquin and these other schools?
1: I think in my, I would say my first two years at Trent, it was really focused on just the East. At the time, King Green was still in the Eastern Conference and they were quite, quite strong was coming down a little bit. So they I would say they were more or less middle of the pack and Algonquin was kind of in there too. So it was really we wanted to focus on finishing in that one two spot so that we automatically qualified for provincials. Um and got ourselves kind of a higher seed so then we could be in like the right side of the bracket. Felt like we were always facing Humber at some point during the the play the playoff schedule, in which you don't want that as your first game. I think I think anyone will would agree with that. But when it came to my third and fourth year, um, we really started to realize that yes, it's important to to focus on the East, but we have to be thinking about the the West teams that we're eventually going to match up. So then it was important in our preseason Christmas tournament to like go to tournaments that the West teams are at. I remember. Third year, so I think it was actually the year we were hosting the OCAA provincials. We had Humber come over the Christmas break to come play an exhibition game. It was good for them because they had never played in our gym first. They wanted to come see what the gym was like, and we wanted to play Humber because Humber's the best. So we ended up beating them in five. And I don't think people ever actually found out about the results because Humber got a little hush hush about it. But we were blasting it on like. Facebook and Twitter cuz that was the big social media zone of, of the day. Um yeah, it was definitely like third fourth year that it was like we really started to focus on like what are our steps? It's not just like one step finish top of the east. It's like finish top of the east and then we have to come and prepare for for provincials and I I still think about that semi final versus Humber my my very last year we we came out kind of surprised them in the first set and, and took it and then second set was very back and forth and they just they hit that extra gear and I remember talking to Chris Wilkins after the game and he was like that's the first time we've been nervous in a very long time and like you should take that like your whole team should be very proud about I'm like yeah I know but like (laughs) we could have we could have been the ones to break break their streak but uh it was really cool to like compete with them and it be like we're pushing the pace at moments too so yeah it's been been a bit of a journey so those four years for sure
0: and just for context for people listening I think Humber was it eight or nine straight like it was ridiculous but uh who were some of the names you would have been playing against I think Landis Doyle would have been their top player when you were kind of entering and was Kelly Nyhoff kind of their big hitter in some of your later years
1: yeah so Kelly and I I think almost played the the same amount of years, or like she was the one year behind me. So yes, so I played played against Landis Doyle in like my early years, and then it was Kelly Nyhoff, um Played against Nina Carino, their uh, their one setter in the earlier years. But then it was like Thalia, and oh my god, I'm now blanking on names. Teresa George was their libero in my early years, which was a, was a bit of a like small world situation because she had been my club assistant coach when I first started out, so that was kind of weird to play against someone that like I looked up to. Um, but yeah, like that was not, in my opinion, that was like the perennial like Humber years. Like, no offense to the teams now that are that are still winning, but like in my opinion, that was like those were the best Humber teams. Like they were just a force and if you started to push them a little bit, they hit that extra gear and then basically never stopped.
0: So, so take me through the bronze medal year. Was that a year, um, in the East? I think if you finished top two, you got a buy to the, uh, elite eight, like the final provincial championship. Uh, did you guys take care of business or did you have to play a crossover? What was that year?
1: So we, that was honestly one of my most favorite years playing. We had a fantastic team. Um it was still the like era where you really only kept fourteen on your whole team, none of this like twenty or twenty-five players on, on a team. Um so they had gotten really close and it's one of the only situations that I've been in where everyone knew their role and accepted their role and were proud of their role. So like the starting six knew who they were. The uh our knew that She was playing libero every game. The person coming off the bench to serve for a middle, she knew who she was and when she was going in. The kind of third string, left side, right side, she knew when she was coming in. And the bench players, for lack of a better word to call them, knew their role. And they were like, I'm going to kill this. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to be sour about not playing. So great year. Only lost to Seneca twice. So that finished us second in the East. It should have been a bye to provincials, but Durham was actually hosting and they finished I wanna say fourth. So we ended up getting bumped out of our basically second spot, our bye. And we had to play Niagara in a crossover match. So it was a pretty again, no offense to them, pretty easy three three nothing match. Um and then we immediately like set our sights on what provincials were going to be like. We played Redeemer, who was very strong. That was I think Curtis why I want to say it was in her third year, so she was really kind of coming up on that um, hitting her peak. Um, great quarterfinal game. Like it was just such a fun environment to be in, and we were all very like laser focused, and we won. And we were just so excited because it had been five years since we had won a match provincials so it was exciting and then we kind of took a step back and went and now we have to play Humber in the semifinals. but we kind of had that moment of shock and then we were like okay cool let's go do it like if if someone's gonna beat Humber like why shouldn't it be us and like I said we came out like all cylinders firing like really surprised them in the first set and won Really, a battle in the second set, and then they just hit that extra gear. And I don't want to say walked away with the third and fourth set, but they they showed that they were the team to to really beat. And then so this was still back to our bronze era. So then we had to play an extra match to to even just qualify for bronze. So I ended up playing Georgian, who in my opinion was I think Trent's like biggest competitor my four years of playing, they, we just always had like epic matches and like they were never like quick, easy 3 3-0 matches. It was like let's play for two and a half hours because like we don't have anything better to do today and instead we kind of came out and we were like we deserve to be in this bronze medal game. So we came out took care of business. 3-0 like Make it, quick, like, make it quick and easy, and like let's get some rest time and, and go in and, and play that bronze medal game. To which we then played Redeemer again. <laughs> and it was kind of like, oh, we've already, we've already played them. Like, this should be easy. But well, we ended up dropping the first set, and we all kind of looked at each other and go, right. We we need to come out and compete. Like they earned their spot to be in the bronze medal game, so we have we have to compete. Like they're not just gonna give it to us. And it was fantastic. And it was like super cool to have my family there watching. And and because it was still like close, so we had actually I think there were a ton of families there watching. And it was just it was such a cool culmination of events, both like personally as like my last OCAA game ever. But also, I had a pretty large uh, rookie class. So, like, for us to go through four years of, like, not winning matches at at, the provincials to then winning bronze, it was just, like, icing on the cake. And I remember I did an interview afterwards and, like, completely blacked out. Like, I could not tell you how I managed to, like, form sentences, and I'm pretty sure I think I have a copy of it somewhere. I'm, like, yelling because I, like, don't... <laughs> my brain's, like, not functioning, so I'm, like, yelling my answer back at the lady. Um, but one thing I'm, like, very proud of from that tournament is that I was named an OCAA Championship All-Star, and so to be the only person that wasn't in the gold medal game to, to get that award was, again, like, icing on the cake of, like, a great varsity career and... Yeah, so just a, kind of a whirlwind of a of a tournament for sure.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, what we call it in Ontario, like the backdoor bronze, or for anyone not familiar – it basically turns the the downside of the bracket into a double elimination so anyone who loses their quarter still has to play you guys earned the right to play a semi and lose to the eventual champion and you had to play two more matches to win a bronze medal so that's not easy to go up for i'd get up for excuse me but does that go back to your earlier point about just the culture of the team like what was there i know you like maybe fumbled out of the gate and maybe a first set in that bronze medal match but did that just go back to the team identity where like you guys weren't just going to lay down and die or nobody was going to pout and say oh i wanted to play for gold now we're not like let's just go home or or worst case scenario let's just go party because uh you're at OCAA's and you have a hotel paid for like what allowed for this bounce back that you guys wanted to play two more matches and, and finish the season off?
1: I think part of it was like just losing to Humber. Like we were so like mentally in the zone and then to not get the result that we were really like working towards we I remember, like, I coach being like, oh, like, take the evening to be sad, but, like, first thing, like, tomorrow morning, like, we come in and, like, we're ready to to play play Georgian in, like, the bronze semi. But, like, we had played the 8 o'clock match on the Friday night and then we had to play and then again, like, 10 a.m. I think the very next morning. So we had, like, a really short turnaround and I think I, I vividly remember him, like, leaving the room, like, the coach exactly in the room and all us looking at each other, like, yeah, we're pissed, but, like, now we're gonna, like, take this like." anger and like energy and like turned into like walking over Georgian and like we're getting to that bronze game and like we're beating whoever we're gonna face there because this is too special of a group to like be like, oh we lost the Humber and like we don't like we can't do anything about it and like we're sad. It was like no, we're pissed and like now we're gonna go like our goal now changes. It went from we want to be in that gold medal game to okay Bronze medal is what we're we're heading for, and just take all that energy and like just throw it into whatever team that we we face. So sorry, Georgian, you really got the brunt of of how we felt after the, the Humber game. And um like I said, yeah, that that first set against Redeemer, I think it was we. I don't think it was we were not taking them seriously. I think we were just comfortable because we had just beaten them two days prior that we were like, oh, yeah, we know what they're, what they are, what they're going to do, and their fire was equally as as hot because they were like, we lost the first day, but, like, we're still now playing for a medal. So um I think it showed a lot of, like, like you said, team culture and, like, really turning our mindset into, like, okay, focus. You still have to win the bronze. Just because we're in the game doesn't mean that we're, we're going to automatically win. It's you have to earned it and I think that's what makes the, the the moment so special is that like it we truly, truly earned it. I I'm pretty sure the fourth set was like twenty five seven. Like it was like it was like lost well, the first set. Sets two and three were like kind like set two was kind of close. Three we started to like really, really work. And then the fourth set it was just hundred percent us. It was you're giving us a free ball. Perfect thing, we're gonna execute and kill it and we're gonna like we're not giving you basically anything so like i said like it was just the moment of like everything coming together
0: for sure for sure and uh Obviously, with your university career, you were a part of the apprenticeship program probably to get like your official kickoff. But uh, I was just thinking before the show, you must have been at Madawaska while you were still a player. So was that maybe your first introductory into uh, coaching a lot was maybe doing like kids camps or going to club practices? Like, I, I don't think the apprentice program was your first time being a coach, right?
1: No. So, um, Peterborough, when I first started, was just really starting to, to develop their their club, Peterborough Thunder. And it just happened that their club practices fell on the same nights that we practiced. So it was hard to to be able to get out and learn how to coach or like just kind of like jump in. So uh, I very much got my my first experience of coaching through Badawaska. And um, that's one of the reasons why I look forward to it every single year is that that's when I got to to view the game from, the other the other side of things and um it kept me coming back every single year and it was fun like i definitely started with the the younger kids i think i was coaching the like 13 year olds and i was like oh how long have you been playing club they're like oh three years already or two <laughs> years and i was like i wasn't even thinking about club when i was your age so this is just how much the game has has changed um and then kind of working working my way up into kind of the like grade nine, grade ten girls, and then eventually working in the the top girl section was a really big accomplishment for me because that's where I saw not the best coaches, but like coaches who like really got it and, and got to give that like real technical feedback. And um but it was fun because I got to see the athletes that I coached in like the younger years kind of like follow me. So I like still got to see athletes coming back every year and being like, Oh, hi back. Like, how are you? Like, Oh, what, what how are you coaching in? And it really helped me solidify like my coaching style. And I, I want to develop that relationship with, with athletes. And I want them, especially at the university level that like, if they're ever going through something that's not volleyball related, that they can come to me and we can have that conversation. Cause I've been through university and. Uh, I have kind of life experiences so having that relationship to to fall back on when they do need help and I definitely saw that this year and even I would say the last couple years especially the COVID year it really changed the world and changed kind of the way that volleyball operated so um, I'm very thankful for the number of years I've been at Matawasca now which I realize is half my life which is <laughs> kind of aging myself
0: Um, so how soon after you graduated from Trent, did you join the coaching staff? Was it right away? Or did you take a few years away from the program?
1: So I actually, I did join the coaching staff right away. Um, I wasn't in school, but I was still in Peterborough. And so I wanted to kind of get my, my coaching start looking back, maybe wasn't the right decision. It was a struggle to and coach my teammates that I had just played with, because there was only two of us that ended up graduating that year. So it was basically my entire team was back with a handful of new first years. So um that is I kind of want to say my like volleyball career that I I do wish I had taken a different route because it just it very much changed the relationships that I had with my teammates because I was trying to be I was trying to be an assistant coach and they didn't quite get that. So I only did that for a year and then I ended up moving away from school for two years. And then when I came back to Peterborough, um, that's actually when Craig Barclay, who um, was the new head coach of the women's program at Trent, had reached out and said, I have one assistant coach that's pregnant one that's trying to finish her masters. So I'm going to be without an assistant coach. Are you interested in kind of coming, coming back and getting to the coaching game? And I said, yes. And now here I am six years later.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. That's so interesting. Like it is tough coaching people that you were a teammates with because the relationship definitely changes. So good for you to take that little bit of a break. So when you first joined uh Craig's coaching staff, um, you can be honest, did you have goals of being a head coach or were you just such a competitor that you just wanted to be involved somehow? Like you, I'm sure you were every job you had was the best job, but were you looking long-term to be like, I want to lead this program someday?
1: No, like not, like it wasn't even a a thought in my head. I, it was more, I want to be part of a coaching staff that's now in the OUA because the team had um, just made the the transition from being in the OCAA to the OUA. They had just I think they had just finished their first season when I came in. And so that was kind of the goal. As I wanted to, um, to be in like the top league in, in Ontario and um, get to experience that side of thing. And I was really thankful for Craig. Um, he really let me learn at my my own pace. And he was very honest in saying like, you're going to relearn the game because you think, you know, the game as a player, but it's completely different as a coach. And I really took that to heart. So um, it was, I just, I learned, I learned a lot. And it was a great situation because I was kind of coming back into to coaching and I wasn't quite sure how I was going to fit in because I was new on the staff. But then it was really cool because there was a, large group of like first years that were coming in. And so we kind of like came together and we're like, we're going to get through this together. Like we're like, I'm here for you, but like, they're also there for, for me. Cause I, I was just nervous. And I don't, I remember now thinking back, I don't know why I was nervous because I had played, I had already coached um a bit and um but yeah, like being a head coach was not even a, not even like a uh like non-realistic like future goal. It was no, I just wanna be I want to be involved in volleyball and I um I couldn't pass up the opportunity to coach where I used to play.
0: No. I think that's something that all former athletes have to get over when they get into coaching but I'm wondering do you have any specific examples so obviously uh you're like a primary receiver you're an outside hitter was it something as simple as like I've never thought about the routes middles have to do in transition like what was it stuff like that or was there anything like even more simply that you that you can admit on the internet here that you're kind of like wow, I've never thought of it that way and now I'm trying to instruct somebody to do it like what were some things that caught your brain where kind of like I've never broke this down before
1: so I had a pretty unique uh, but I experience in the OCA, where I played left side, played middle, played right side, I also set for a couple of games. There you go. So, although I had had the experience of playing these different positions, um, it was finding the right words to to give that feedback. And again, I'm not knocking the OCAA, but in my opinion it goes kind of OUA and then OCAA below them. So it was like we were playing in this higher intensity league. The, the players are bigger. The players are, are faster. And again, we're a smaller university coming in to play against Faster, U of T, Queens, these teams that have like played for, just have these traditions and have played for so long. So it was figuring out how to to help the athletes. And, help them along their like skill development while like not being quite sure how to explain to run a step because I can do it but I don't quite know how to like break it down or telling the setter um kind of change the tempo of their sets or where the ball should be falling um along that in terms of a, a 30 versus uh like shoot to the outside so it was just the like little small small details that um I could like okay yeah I can picture myself doing it but now how do I tell my athlete how to do it themselves so that's why I really appreciated about Craig is he was very confident in his um, technical background and like the language that he used so I kind of took all of that in and just kind of cataloged it um a bit to to help everyone and another thing that was kind of new to me was having the like game film database so a lot of times I would just like go and watch games not necessarily our own games but like watch big master play U of T or western play queens and just like watch these top level teams and just see what their athletes were doing and then try to figure out how can i tell my athletes like this is what we should be aspiring to be and this is how we're going to to get there so i watched a lot of game film that year <laughs>
0: And I'm sure it's not where you want it to be. Like you're a competitor and you're going to keep pushing this. But when you look back at when Trent joined the league, um, you guys weren't an expansion team. You're right. You went from the OCAA to the OUA, but what were some things that needed to happen for you guys to feel like you were like competitive? Cause it doesn't happen right away. And as you mentioned, like there, there's a discrepancy in the level. Like, let's just be honest. Um, so the game's faster. Some of the athletes are bigger. What were some other things you had to get used to, or how do you train your team to get used to the speed? Is it just an experience thing? Or how do you guys felt like you closed the gap where, everyone's kind of uncomfortable or nervous to now you start winning sets or you push matches or you start taking down more matches, like little things like that.
1: I think it's a bit of a combination of everything. So I wasn't with the team in their first year and they actually surprised a lot of teams that first year. I think they ended up winning, I want to say four or five matches that year. So they surprised a ton of teams. And then we had a little bit of a letdown the, the second year. And I think a big of, of that was the volume of volleyball that we were playing we were practicing five days a week plus matches on top of that so it was a lot of the girls just getting used to like the volume of volleyball that we needed to that we were going to play which in turn meant that they needed to be in the gym and be doing the strength and conditioning program and I think there was like a two-year period where Some people were really dedicated to it and others were like, oh yeah, I'm doing this because coach tells me that I have to to go and do it. And so once we kind of got buy-in on the strength and conditioning program, I saw a big difference in maybe not the number of matches that we were winning, but the number of matches that we were pushing to five sets. And it was purely because we weren't outworking the other teams necessarily, but we were outlasting them. So we were able to push and like win that really close set and then maybe lose the next set 25, 16. But then the next set, it would be like, Oh, we're, we're going to outlast them again. And it became kind of a running joke that we were serving teams that trend special because we just went to five sets so many times. And I remember other coaches being like, like, how do you take so-and-so to five? And it's just like, we just, kept with them the entire time and that was all thanks to our strength and conditioning program the girls being in great shape that we were able to kind of keep up in rallies where yeah we're gonna defend and maybe we're not absolutely killing the ball but like we're gonna force you to make the the mistake and we're just gonna keep ourselves in the rally and that you have to go for that extra hard shot or I'm gonna uh, go for that hard line shot and swing it out to court. And, okay, hey, we won the point. Great, we're going to go right back at the service line and we're ready to serve right away when the team is like, okay, when did like we need a second to catch our breath where we're like, no, we're ready to to go right away. And I think that really helped in terms of, yeah, we weren't getting wins in the like win column, but people could see that we were taking teams to five, that we really started to garner interest from the the top club teams in Ontario that once we were able to kind of attract those athletes, um, the wins did start um, to come. And yeah, it's been, it's been quite a journey.
0: And and yeah, just to follow your journey, one more step. Um, Rusty steps aside this year and you get named the interim head coach. Uh, I'm a firm believer that I wasn't ready every time I got a promotion or I got a new opportunity. Were you ready to be the head coach of the program when you got that call?
1: Uh, I would say yes and no. Um, I had really taken on, um, quite a few responsibilities when Rusty had came to, into the program and it was a really nice, nice partnership. And so I was familiar with doing, um, a lot of the things like a head coach would be would be doing but to now be the person that was making the lineup decisions and having to have those hard conversations with athletes and saying you know what you're not you're not starting and and this is what you need to to do or an athlete that's going through some mental mental, mental health uh, situations and needing to take time off that it was it was a lot I'm kind of thankful that it happened over Christmas break because it gave me a little bit of time to get things organized, aka get practice plans already drawn up for when I uh, when we came back in January because we had a very quick, quick start to the, the second half of the season. Um, I was pretty thankful that I had contacts in the volleyball world that I could reach out to, like Justin Reed and Matt Schnarr and call them and say, am I crazy? can I do this? Are you sure I can do this? And then be like, yes, you can do this. It's going to be, be okay. And thankfully we played Ryerson TMU the very first weekend of the second half of the season. So it was really nice to see a familiar face uh, of Dustin and Brett Haggerty on, on the other side of the court. So that, that helped my nerves a bit, but I could definitely say that I was still very nervous that very, very first game, but it came very naturally and it it felt really good and it was nice to get feedback uh, from some of the parents that came to quite a bit of our games and say how enthusiastic and they could see that I was very focused and that I was there to encourage the girls and that although we were, we were losing, they could see that the girls were Still having fun or like enjoying themselves while, um, while like going through the second half of the season. So, yeah, it was. I look back now and I, I think I was more prepared than I thought I was. Um, and now I'm excited to to have Colin come on board and, and get to learn and pick his brain because he's been coaching for, I think, longer than I've been alive.
0: <laughs> I'll, so, I'll be sure to tell him that.
1: Don't don't tell him I said that. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm really excited now to just to learn from him. And like a big thing I said to him is I really want to learn more about like true like seasonal planning. Um, that was just never thing I was I was part of as an assistant coach. And yes, I took the NCCP course like eight years ago about seasonal planning, but it's very different when it comes to the, the OUA level and and has experience with that, so that's one thing I'm really looking forward to um, getting to be a part of and, and learn more about.
0: Yeah, before we we jump into that uh, new role, uh, you're you're an OCAA medalist, you're you're an All Canadian, you're an All Star. Where does that first win as a head coach in the OUA uh, go on your list of volleyball accomplishments?
1: Honestly, I told this I said this to my assistant coach it probably ranks number one. It it was just as such a cool match to be a part of. One, it was two female head coaches uh, coaching against one another because we were playing RMC and uh, Joey there. Um, but yeah, it was just, again, classic trend. We go five because why not? But cool to like, yes, I was there to like provide technical feedback and to 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 guide them and to call the timeouts and all this stuff. But like it was really cool to see the girls really take control of the team. Cause that was one match where we basically like went back and forth. It was Trent wins, RMC wins, Trent wins, RMC wins. And coming into that fifth set, I basically said to them, I'm like, we're taking this and so I need you to take control and like control the pace. You like you lead this game. And we walked away with it. It was such a cool way to to end. And we always have like a, a player of the match award that the girls um pick kind of am- amongst themselves. But it was really cool for them to take a moment and say, like, this was Beck's like first win as as an OUA head coach. And so yeah, it's just such a uh, just special moment, and I I kind of say to people that yes, I miss playing, but I get that same joy and like satisfaction that I got as a player now as a as a coach, and so that's why I would say like yeah that that first win like it definitely it ranks up there. I would say the second match that we played that we won also against RMC also ranked up there because we had to pull the good old reverse sweep and also play and like both matches were each like, there were over two hours both matches and so like we grinded through it so yeah both those matches are, are definitely they're up there on my list
0: nice nice very cool so uh new role you're an associate head coach with friend of the show colin walker um obviously it's very challenging, uh, not only time-wise to coach two programs in the OUA, but even the schedule doesn't allow it. Cause I believe you guys are going to be in two places with one. So, uh, have you and coach Walker kind of talked down, uh, talked about uh, your role and how you're going to help out because uh, you're going to be in that first chair a few times this year, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've had, uh, some really great conversations, some very long conversations because we have, we have lots to, to talk about, but, um, we're pretty lucky that Collins retired, and so he he has that time to be able to to dedicate to both teams, and it's nice because he has some, I call it like programming that he's already established with the, the men's team that he's looking at bringing over to the, to the women's team because these are all all things that I really wanted to try and implement with the team, but only being a part time physician and and working in a hospital. I don't necessarily have the time to sit down and and create a program and create the infrastructure for it and then actually go and implement it. So, um, yeah, we had lots of, lots of really good talks and it was nice that we were, we were both able to get out to the OVA provincials and, and do some scouting there and be able to kind of, um, one help because he was trying to watch both the boys and the girls side playing. Um, and that was actually the first time I've ever gone to an OVA event as a, as a head coach to actually do recruiting. Um, So it was really nice to kind of lean on him for a little bit of a advice and like, how does this work? Can I go up and just talk to them? Do I, do I need someone there or how does it all, how does it all work? But yeah, it'll be interesting this season with um, him doing both programs. And like you said, there's, I think it's two different weekends where um, the men and the women from Trent are playing in two different places. So um, it'll be a, uh, a different kind of vibe, uh, I think, because um, we do have different approaches to our our coaching style, but I think that they're they're really going to to mesh well together. And so it'll just be lots of communication leading up to those weekends to make sure that... Um, we're both kind of on the same page of, of how we want the, the weekend to go. Thankfully they're not until second semester. So I feel like <laughs> we can, we can figure out how we, we work together first semester and then we can kind of break off a little bit second semester.
0: Nice. Nice. So, uh, just to wrap it up here, you had a great playing career. You're on your way to having a great coaching career and it's exciting to follow your journey here, but, uh, one tradition we've built into the show is just a funnier unique story that would have happened to somebody. So I'm sure uh, because volleyball is so great, something odd happened along the way. I was hoping you could share a funny story before we let you go.
1: So this is actually from my last year. It is the crossover game that we had to play in order to make it to provincials. Like I had mentioned earlier, although we finished second and should have gone straight to the OCWA provincials, Durham, didn't finish in the first position, so they kind of knocked us out, and we had to play our crossover. So we're hosting Niagara. It's uh, I think Saturday of beginning of the reading week, so we literally no fans. It's just like families that are there because all the students have gone home for for reading break. We're warming up. Everything's good. The clock's going, and as I'm as I'm warming up, I'm like, seeing any referees? And having been a referee myself through high school, I know most of like the local Peter Re- Peterborough referees. And so I'm like, oh, this is, this is a bit odd. And then all of a sudden the warm-up clock stops and our coach goes, Hey, we're just going to like head into the change room for a bit. And so we're all like looking at, they're like, what's going on? Go into the change room. My coach goes, Hey Beth, can I, can can I pull you aside? Can I talk to you? And I'm like, yeah. Like, what's going on like I don't why did you stop he goes we forgot to book referees for this match (laughs) I look at him and I'm like sorry you said what Like, yeah we forgot to book referees we're we're figuring out so like it's not like chaos it's like controlled chaos so then I think it was Joey who was coaching at Niagara at the time. So he's on the phone to his athletic director. My coach is on the phone to our varsity coordinator, athletic director, trying to figure things out. And I say to my coach, okay, well, we have two referees in the stands right now because my dad is there. And my sister who is at Durham and is part of the women's volleyball team at Durham decided to come watch my game versus watching the Durham men play. And I'm like, she was also a referee. So I say to my head coach, I'm like, okay, like we at least have like two people. And he's, I'm like, we just need to find an up rep because they like to have, I think it's provincial level or regional level that they like to have for the OCAA as the up official. I was like, my dad can be the down official. We need to find someone that's the up official. Well, there happened to be a club tournament going on in Peterborough which I don't know how we figured that out. And so my dad then has to call our next door neighbor, who's also a volleyball referee, for her to go take the place of Mark Shad, who has the right level of like refereeing. So he could be the up-official. And then the men's head coach at the time, Mike Kubiki ended up being the fourth lines person. And despite Mike having been a coach for a while, really didn't understand how to be a lines person. So he was just kind of there to fill the position. So we kind of create this haphazard plan of what to do for the officials. But Niagara still has to sign off on it and basically say that they're okay with this because technically two of the officials are related to one of the athletes. So I start to not have a panic attack but get like really really nervous but I'm like they could easily say nope we're not okay with this you take your you forfeit we're taking the spot to go to provincials And I was like no we we worked so hard like my OCWA career can't end this way so thankfully they agreed to it um and so at this point it's been like want to say half an hour 45 minutes so the game ends up going like starting way later than it was supposed to but it still managed to happen but it was just pulling people from the crowd pulling a referee from the, the club tournament in order to have this match happen and so it's kind of a funny way for my last game at Trent to to kind of finish and like kind of Go
0: out without Go, out the, go out with a bang. Why not? But yeah. <laughs> well, well, credit to credit to Joey and Niagara for not playing the nepotism card. I mean, obviously the first official was like the the right badge level, and obviously had like no uh, no prior relationships in it. But the, I, I, even your your sister and dad are more qualified than he poor he bicky on the lines. I think the the one who's actually not related to you is the one I would probably be like worried about the most. So <laughs> well,
1: and I think. Joey recognized that too, and like, because they were the eighth seed from the West, I don't even think they were. They had like a 500 season, so I think they, I think he really like thought about the situation. It was like, we want this, like, I want this game to happen. Like, we don't want to take a forfeit and like go to provincials, kind of, kind of that way. So, um I jokingly I think said to my coach like after the game, I was like, can we send them like flowers or send them like some type of gift to be like. Thank you for letting this match still happen.
0: I'm not even sure. I I don't know the OCL rule. I don't think it would have been a forfeit. I think it would have been another trip to Peterborough if there was enough time because obviously the time crunch like.
1: I hope that would have been the case. But yeah, it was just wild. Like, tell me if that has ever happened anywhere else.
0: I think the worst that somebody's probably listening is maybe like a high school tournament where you just get like parents or you just self-ref because you've never done it. It's never happened at a post-secondary match. And I don't think it's ever happened at a crossover post-secondary match. Like somebody, somebody dropped the ball on that one.
1: Yeah. Well, like you we sometimes have referees who get like stuck in traffic and, or like late to games, but like still the rest of the staff refereeing staff are, are there to at least get the, the, the match running and still going. But yeah, no, it was, no one was booked. <laughs> So it was, how can we find people to keep it going? So I'm just very thankful that my sister decided to come watch me play. Thanks, Jess, instead of watching my brother play. Because I don't know what would have happened. We could, maybe one of the guys from the men's team at Trent might have done it too. Maybe. I don't know if any of them were, were there because they, they didn't make a crossover game that year. So I feel like they also all went home.
0: Definitely running out of options, but uh, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you so much for coming on the show. Obviously, uh what was Charlie's phrase when we had Charlie on the show? Pack the shack. Trent will have to pack the shack this year, and we'll have to get it going. But uh, congratulations on everything you've achieved and continue to achieve, and up for a big year with Trent this year. So yeah, thanks for finally coming on the show. I, I don't know. I can't admit on air if it's we didn't invite you soon enough or you kept declining, but uh, the truth uh, is in there somewhere. I
1: go on record and say that I never got an official invitation. Uh, that's that's no. Yeah.